Welcome in to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. As always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here. And uh, Colorado Rockies with a nice little homestand. What do you know? They go 4-2 and two on the homestand against their divisional rivals, the Los Angeles Dodgers and Arizona Diamondbacks, and pulling themselves back to... Still nine games under 500. Look, the the season still doesn't look like it's going to uh, turn into the kind of surprise contention that they were hoping for, or maybe even the slightly above 500 season that I had predicted, though that's still very much on the table. At the very least here, we got some nice, competitive, quality baseball to watch over the last week. I'm going to go in reverse chronological order, sort of talk about each game a little bit, give some overall thoughts before... Uh, looking ahead to the road trip to come. Starting with today's game that just wrapped up a few moments ago as of my recording, Rockies with a big come-from-behind victory, 6-5 over the Arizona Diamondbacks after being down uh, 1-0 early, 5-0 in the middle innings, and getting a pair of huge C.J. Crone home runs uh, to bring in a whole bunch of runs. What, what was the RBI total? There it is, 6 ribbies on the day. I thought I had that right, but wanted to make sure when you shout out six ribbies, that's, a, that's quite a day at the ballpark. Uh, for the man who will almost certainly be the Colorado Rockies representative in the All-Star Game. We've talked before and I've written a little bit uh, and actually have a, a much deeper article coming up on, you know, the trade stuff and whether or not they need to move the guy. And for a minute, for a day, and I know you all have heard me say stuff like this before, uh, and, and we'll get back to it. Like I said, we've talked about it before. I'll talk about it again in the future. I, I'm, I'm writing about it as we speak. But let's just appreciate that as of right now, this guy wears a Rockies uniform. He very much enjoys and appreciates wearing a Rockies uniform. And he is incredible to watch. He's a joy to watch, play the game, hit the baseball. Uh, he's coming through in these big moments. Obviously, the huge three-run shot there in the bottom of the eighth inning to put them on top by one run. It doesn't get a whole lot more clutch than that. The only way to make it more clutch would be to to move it to an inning later and make it a walk-off, right? Beyond that, what a day. At the park, he drives in six. The Rockies win 6-5. Like, that's, that's about as good as it gets, uh, you know, on a, on a day when Chad Cool. Did end up giving up those five earned runs. You got some decent performances out of the bullpen. I always feel like this is the way that it goes, right? Like the bullpen is only ever good when the team is already behind. And then they need the that big late, you know, run scoring thing to happen. And then they can hold on and, and win the baseball game. And you got to give some... Well, some props to <laughs> Daniel Bard. He did load the bases, but he came through and he got the close, uh, the close, the save, and he continues to be a fantastic closer for the Rockies this season. And I, and again, I've said it before. I think he absolutely is deserving of being in the All Star Game. That's just going to come down to whether or not the voters will give the Rockies two. But he lowered his ERA on the season to two point oh five and got his sixteenth save of the year so tough day for chad cool good day for robert stevenson uh lucas gilbreth had a nice little inning there and and wriggled out of some uh 
uh, some jam, <laughs> some jam, <laughs> and, and then he had Jake Bird, uh, who continues to look very, very interesting to me, and I'm continuing to uh, evaluate the bullpen as we move forward, and looking, you know, who's going to be a part of it, who isn't. Jake Bird is one of those guys that's been 50-50. Everything he does right now, though, is showing me uh, there could be a place for him in the future. Another three-hit day for Jonathan Daza, who continues to keep his batting average comfortably above 300 at 315. That's basically, and it was the rubber match, so it delivers the ball game. It delivers the series win for the Rockies at home over Arizona. It is, of course, just remarkably frustrating and unfortunate for all of you and for the Colorado Rockies themselves that, you know, they really just put themselves in this hole. And, and they did it with their poor play in May. As much as people talk about June swoons, you know, their, their June would have been acceptable in a lot of ways had they not blown so many winnable games in May or series in May. Uh, you know, you think back to that stretch when they couldn't beat Kansas City at home and then Pittsburgh and then Washington out on the road and stuff like that because then you could absolutely accept these kinds of things where, you know, they go out on the road and while they don't win a ton of games, they get one. The other one that, that I think was really a momentum killer was, of course, on the most recent road trip when after sweeping the Padres at home, they undid all that good work by getting swept by the Marlins in Miami. When just one win in that series and one win in Minnesota would have, you know, not totally righted the trip, but at least had them feeling like, okay, if you win a third of your games on the road and you win all your sets at home, you can right the ship. And, and now they're back to doing that, right? They beat the Dodgers here at home. They beat Arizona here at home. And Arizona has cooled off considerably remember the first month and a half or so of the season every team in the nl west was above 500 and people were saying oh man the rockies are really going to struggle because the diamondbacks are good this year too but as we should have expected out of both teams quite frankly uh they've both fallen off a bit and are at about basically the same spot right now in the season at roughly 10 games under give or take whatever day you're talking about them so you know it a series win over Arizona. The first game was unfortunately non-competitive. The second two were unfortunately close in terms of, uh, again, today they really needed C.J. Crone to carry them. And uh, in yesterday's game, to dive into that a little bit, they give up seven runs. Uh, really, really poor pitching, especially out of the bullpen. Almost coughed that one up. But they scored 11, so... You know, <laughs> so you win the game. Uh, another rougher one for Gomber, though he was able to go 5.2. Gives up the four earned runs. Not as bad as he has been. Not as good as we'd like to see him be if he's going to... Well, he has returned to the rotation. And if he's going to return to the rotation, there he is in the rotation. Uh, but you, you like to see him tighten up a, a bit more. Obviously, we all know how he came to the team and, and some of the expectations on him. But just in general, and out of the promise we saw, out of what was more or less his rookie campaign as a starter, you'd like to see more uh, tightening of the screws a bit on Gomber. Not an awful start, but certainly not a great one. Four earned runs, six hits. Didn't walk anybody like that. Big indicator for him is the not walking people. Uh, only a couple of strikeouts and the home run ball continues to be his uh, bugaboo. Is that still is that a word people use? Is that <clears throat> what, 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 what what are you kids out there? What what, what is the equivalent of a bugaboo? Uh, it, it is his uh, Achilles heel, right? 
He gives up a lot of home runs, is what I'm trying to say. And he and he needs to give up fewer of them if he wants to get his career back on the right track, which he obviously very much does. Uh, as I mentioned a second ago, there was another decent outing in there from uh, Jake Bird. Uh, I continue to be a fan of Alex Colomay. I know it's it can be tough to watch him pitch sometimes. He moves so slowly. Uh, he tends to allow at least one base runner every time he goes out there. He doesn't have the wipeout stuff, so he doesn't get a ton of strikeouts. But he's just been quietly very, very good. Uh, 245 ERA on the season off after that one, which is his most recent outing. And he, again, I think continues to be a really good potential trade chip for the Rockies coming up at this deadline won't bore you with too many of the details from the 3-9 loss uh, in the first game another one where uh, the the Rockies got some bad news with Antonio Senzatella going on the IL only able to pick up two innings but he had already given up three earned runs in that one anyway it has been a tough year for Senzatella both on the injury front and the allowing base runners front and the allowing earned runs front I'm still a believer in him uh, moving forward, not to be an ace or to be, you know, I, I think the very worst, he's going to be a fifth starter on a Rockies team that can be competitive. He's proven that he can pitch at Coors Field. He needs to get himself healthy. He's obviously not at his best right now, um, but really almost nobody on this team is. And so that was a rough one for him. And then uh, Robert Stevenson had a really rough game in that one. He continues to be frustrating and, and back and forth. Uh, again, he's a guy I've got a long leash on. And one of the big reasons, well, I, I say that as though I'm running the team. Um, I, In terms of my analysis of whether or not, you know, I think he should be, you know, they should do something with him or replace him or whatever. You know, if I saw guys in the minors who were really knocking on the door to be potentially that next impact reliever, I'd say, sure. You know, maybe... Some of these guys need to go, but that is simply not the case. And so, you know, I, I think some of them you're just going to need to watch them work through it. And it's not fun for fans, and I totally get that. But it's basically your only option at this point when it comes to most of these relievers. Uh, the game before that, going back to Wednesday, was the other loss that they had this week to the Dodgers, an 8-4 loss. It was an interesting one because the Rockies were down Four nothing early and, and managed to make it a bit of a competitive one, even though they had already won the series. Uh, it was a setback for Armand Marquez, who had four outings before that where he had been really, really good in this one, though. Return to the bad version of Marquez that we have seen throughout the year. 3.1 innings pitched, six hits, five earned runs, three walks. The walks there still to me are the most concerning number along with the only two strikeouts. He's not getting swings and misses. He's not beating a good lineup like the Dodgers right now. Had an opportunity to sweep him, which could have been maybe a little bit of a mental momentum boost for the team. And you had Marquez going to the hill. He really needed to keep his good stretch going, and it didn't happen. Just another one of those things that has me thinking, even despite these stretches where we see them play well. And yeah, they go 4-2 at home and against some decent teams and some really good pitchers. Uh, but still, they, you know, they just don't have what it takes right now to be able to right this ship in my opinion we'll see that's why they play the games but a couple runs for uh or i should say given up by chassin and that one as well who continues to have an era over six on the season but in the wins you got some pretty cool stuff 
out of the squad, obviously, on Tuesday night. Uh, I, I wrote about this. I wrote about both of these, and, and, and I hope you all will go to milehighsports.com and check out the articles I wrote about kind of these pitching matchups. It was less about these particular games and more about the, these careers because, you know, you had Kyle Freeland giving you the the quality start that I love to talk about and the worst nickname that I've ever come up with in my career, which is the quality start Kyle. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But it just goes to show, you know, the, the quality of a quality start because six innings pitched and three earned runs, especially at Coors Field, when the other guy is going four innings and six earned runs is a really, really good outing. And I know a lot of times people will go, yeah, well, you can't you can't count on the other guy to, to do that. But a lot of times they do. And you had twice now in this series against the Dodgers, a couple of pitchers who came in with very, very low, low two ERAs and uh or low two era for kershaw and a low three era for tyler anderson former rocky and they get knocked around a bit because they're not used to having to deal with the environment and they're not able to recover and they're not able to give you the six innings and i wrote about how kershaw has always had bad numbers at coors field and he's also always had the luxury of not really having to figure it out not having to solve that problem because he's only going to have to pitch there two, maybe three times a year at the absolute most. Whereas these guys who have to pitch half their games there, they need a plan. They need a solution. They can't just give up and say, well, that's my four innings and maybe we lose, whatever. I'm going to shower it off. I'm going to forget about that one of my 30 starts this year, right? But these other guys don't have that luxury. And what I really appreciated in this series win is that we saw that out of both Tyler Anderson and Chad, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so used to me. We saw it against Tyler Anderson by Chad Cool and against Clayton Kershaw by Kyle Freeland. And that was, and I'm sure Anderson would tell you in an honest moment that it is the difficulty of doing it, the adjustments going to and from. It's not just about the ball games that you pitch at Coors Field. It's about adjusting when you go on the road and then adjusting back when you come back home. All of these things that you have to deal with that some of these other guys, and I wrote about it. There's not, there's one elite pitcher that I found, two of them actually, that have decent numbers at Coors Field, but in only a game, maybe two. It was Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander. They're the guys that got left out of the article um, just because it, it, it would have been too complicated to try to explain like, well, Justin Verlander does have a 190 ERA at Coors Field, but it's in seven innings pitched, which means he had one good game there, which of course can we know can happen. It's not impossible to pitch there, but that's very much to the point, right, of guys like Freeland or... Marquez, who hasn't really mastered it the way others have, but he's he's handled it better than others have. John Gray, obviously now at the Rangers, and Antonio Sensatella has been one of those guys as well. Chad Cool's done a decent job with it this season, and you saw that in that outing. So I, I continue to find this dynamic very interesting because, you know, especially when it wasn't that long ago that the big sort of national and even local narrative talking point was, Oh man, look at the Dodgers. They're taking these pitchers who are absolutely fantastic 
for them, but they were terrible for the Rockies. And that's because the Dodgers know what they're doing and the Rockies are a joke. And I'm, you know, my takeaway is like, well, at least in some part has to be because it's way easier to pitch there. And not, again, it's not just that it's way easier to pitch at Dodger Stadium than it is to pitch at Coors Field. It's that it's way easier to pitch as a member of the Dodgers where, yes, you're either pitching at Dodger Stadium, but then a lot of times when you go on the road, you're still in California. You're going from L.A. to San Francisco or L.A. to San Diego, and those are all pitchers' parks, and they're all at sea level. And the only time you're going to altitude is when you're going to Arizona or Colorado. And those teams are often not great anyway, so you can usually power your way to some wins even if you put up some ugly pitching numbers, which has often been the case for Kershaw over the years. But you're not going to pitch well there. Almost nobody does, right? And, and I think it just goes to show how we don't give the Rockies pitchers who managed to survive or who managed to have those individual seasons like Freeland did in 2018, like Ubaldo Jimenez did in 2010. We don't give them near enough credit. Not anywhere close to enough credit. Guys like Jorge De La Rosa and Aaron Cook, their entire careers, Pedro Estacio, incredibly underrated. And... I'm sure there are people out there who would say, well, you know, I'm sure if Clayton Kershaw was a Rocky and pitched half his games at Coors Field, he'd have come up with a solution. He would have adjusted or whatever, and his career numbers would be basically what they are today, you know, but we have no way of knowing that, <clears throat> that, that thought, and I've talked to other reporters I know who believe this because I've written similar things to this about other pitchers or I've noticed like <clears throat> I remember running those of you of a certain age will remember a couple of these names guys like Jake Peavy Brandon Webb Matt Kane, Tim Lincecum you know their numbers at Coors Field were bad and I would run it by people and they would be like well yeah but you know that's you know small sample size and if they pitched there those guys are so good you know they would have figured it out and it's like, would they? I don't know. And maybe maybe I am biased. Maybe whatever. Fine. Run, run that up the flagpole if you like. But there isn't really any way to prove that. Any data to say, yeah. Like, if Clayton Kershaw had pitched his whole career at Coors Field, might he have just had, like, Tyler Anderson numbers here until he moved to a different place? You know, there, there's really no way of knowing that. And I think the the certitude that people have about the quality of these guys comes from these numbers. That's what's so funny to me about it. The certitude we have about Clayton Kershaw's quality comes from an ERA and an ERA plus and whip and all the numbers that we love built around his exact situation. And there really is no way of knowing for any of these guys, for sure. We come up with numbers that do their best to project you know, what it would be like in a, a neutral environment. But the fact is, there's no such thing as a neutral baseball environment. And every ball player plays to their environment and has to be able to play to their environment, really from game to game. If you're a right fielder and you go to a ballpark where the right field fence is you know, 16 feet tall, but 450 feet away, that's way too far for right field. You're going to play it differently than, you know, at Yankee Stadium, where it's 
four feet tall and 72 feet away. <laughs> if I'm going to exaggerate, I may as well go all the way, right? You, you have to play ballparks differently. It's one of the beautiful, wonderful, frustrating as hell things about baseball is that all the parks play differently. And those who adjust tend to do the best. And I will never forget for my entire baseball covering life when Chad Bettis said to me, what people don't talk about enough is the adjustments. It's not that the ball flies farther at Coors. I mean, these things have a factor, right? The ball flies farther. The outfield is bigger. All that stuff. It's all true, right? It breaks differently at home than on the road. All that stuff. But it's the adjustments. It's that these guys have to go from one extreme environment to the other and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth when any other team that comes in here If they can't deal with the environment for three games, oh well. Right? Not gonna it's gonna be a blip on their season at most. And I know for a fact there are multiple former Cy Young winning pitchers who refused to pitch at Coors Field. But none of these guys have that luxury. You know, when Kyle Freeland wants to be here. Obviously, he was born here. Even John Gray wanted to be here. That just didn't work out right. And, you know, maybe we'll we'll see. That'll be a long-term evaluation thing to see if the Rockies made the right call there or not. But when you see a, a series like this where these really good pitchers for L.A. and for Arizona come in and struggle and... You know, they're out of there. Clayton Kershaw, four innings pitched, six earned runs. It's tough, tough place to play baseball. And yes, the Rockies don't do a good enough job of addressing that issue. But the media and the fans, a lot of times, in my opinion, don't do a fair enough job of including that as a part of the entire puzzle. Because it is clearly brutal out there. On the very, very best of this generation. Clayton Kershaw is the best National League pitcher of the last 15 years. And he's got like a 487 ERA and 129 innings pitched to Coors Field. And then we turn around and... You know, blow up at guys like John Gray when they can't do it in the second year of their careers. You know, people go ape on him. It's a little, you know. Anyway, got a little far afield there. (laughs) Made a little bit of an extra point, but you get where I'm coming from, right? So, nice homestand for the Rockies. Uh, they've got a month here. If they really go on a strong... Look, if they have an awesome road trip now, maybe they can save their season. You go out to LA and Arizona, you're playing these two teams again in the exact same order, but now you're in their house. You got lefty versus lefty in game one. Uh, Tomorrow, you got Urias versus Kyle Freeland. Uh, Julio Urias is somebody who's been really, uh, he's another one of those guys who has terrible numbers at Coors Field and he struggled against the Rockies, but he's also really good in LA. You know why? 
it's easier to pitch there. Sorry, it just it just is. It just factually is. Um, so they'll have three in LA. Then they will have uh, three in. Oh, I'm sorry. Then they will have four in Arizona before returning home for four against San Diego, who is we all know they've really owned as of late, and three against Pittsburgh before the All Star break. So if they can go out here. And, when, and again, they can just have like a decent road trip where, you know, in the past we would have said, hey, you win two or three games on this road trip, you're hanging in there because now you're nine games under 500. If you end the road trip and you're still nine or ten games under 500, despite the fact that you've won a couple of games in there, you know, you, you got to make up some ground here if you're really in save the season mode. So if they go out gangbusters and really have an impression, like if they win both series, on the road, and then they come home and they take three or four against San Diego and say they sweep Pittsburgh going into the All-Star break, then maybe you're at a spot where you feel like, hey, maybe they're actually buyers, but that's quite far-fetched. Again, you got to play the games first. Um, They'll come out of the break with a set in Milwaukee, and they will finish the month home with two randomly against the Chicago White Sox and then a four-gamer leading into the end of the month and then the trade deadline one more time against these Los Angeles Dodgers. So, you know, having just beat them at home, if the Rockies can go out of the road and actually beat the Dodgers in a series there, maybe they can turn this thing around. That seems unlikely, and if it doesn't go that way, it it really is going to be time to start making sure you're showcasing all the veterans, you're taking all the calls, you're ready for the trade deadline uh, to move all those veteran players, start giving the younger guys the opportunities to play. And I still don't even think at that point that necessarily completely even destroys your possibility of going on a run. That is unless you trade C.J. Crone and Daniel Bard, at which point then you're not going on a run. Those are long shots anyway, uh, but the other guys like uh, that I've mentioned real quickly, if you trade Iglesias, Gritchick, Colome, uh, even Chad Cool or whatever, it's like you, you, you could still, through your young players and whatever, potentially do whatever surprise run this team would have in them anyway. So it's about time to start having those thoughts, unless this road trip goes surprisingly well for the Rockies. Let's watch for a week and see what happens. Thank you all for hanging out and listening to the show. Make sure you're checking out all of the written content over at milehighsports.com. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Drew Creaseman. You can always slide into the DMs and ask about the Discord channel. Other than that, just keep being absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will keep being absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.